0: Welcome, welcome. You are now tuned in to the EPB Podcast. As usual, it is your host, Matt Marshall, and I am joined by a very, very special guest. Yes, I had to say it twice. Today on the program, I've got somebody who is a professional soccer player, a trainer, a coach, and also a published author with his uh, latest book that we have here, Coordination Training. I have with me Mr. Warren Oka, W9, Master Wu. Welcome to the show, brother.
1: It's awesome to be here, Matt. Um, I, I love your work. I've been following you, and um, keep doing the good work. I'm I'm super proud of you. My we go dog. way back. We go way back. We
0: go way back. That's the thing. Like outside of all of these accolades that will go through uh, your professional career, the 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 biggest connection I have to you um, is that we go way back to shoot middle school for me, high school for you. Uh, growing up in Atlanta, Georgia. I got, uh, I'm gonna tell tell the audience here that um, you were one of the you know few black players on our our school teams, and one of the guys I absolutely looked up to. This guy was a you know trick master, Mr. Sauce Supreme. Uh, played with my older brother, and I you know obviously I looked up to everybody who, who who played up there in Atlanta. But you know on this podcast I talk so much about my upbringing in Atlanta and. You know the, the kind of how different it is actually seeing the world of football outside of Atlanta versus how we grew up. So there's like no one better to speak to about kind of that life than you, bro. So I am so happy you're on here and speaking. So uh, let, let's go through it a little bit. Obviously, you you played in a lot of different professional leagues. Definitely in America, you've played in the NWS, uh, in the N, uh, NSL, the uh, USL. You've played in arena leagues. You've played a, around the world in different parts. Um, I know you as like, dude, let me let me just say this. And I probably said this to you once before. Like I used to go and watch my brother play in high school and you were a little bit younger and you were like the young, hot, you know, like uh, the superstar young guy on the team. And there used to be times where you would just like dribble through players and then like almost not score just so you could go and dribble through them again. Give me an idea of just how you got into soccer and, and and where it took you after high school.
1: Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I love Atlanta. Firstly, it, it's, it's born and raised here. Yes, um, sir. My, my roots stem back to uh, what with soccer to my dad. He's from Nigeria and he was a goalie. They call him young Pina. Um, but obviously he's in Nigeria. So they're, they're at the time, definitely their head of soccer. So when he came to America, he got a college scholarship and he actually played in college where he suffered a severe um, leg injury. Um, so from now he went, went ahead and went to business, got his, um, MBA and, um, went into business. But, um, I guess he had that on his mind when, when I was a little kid. So that's that first ball I had was a soccer ball. I, I grew up with a soccer ball and playing in a with film age two and up. Yeah. Um, and it it's different in America because it's not that it's it, 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 at that time. Um, in, the, in the 80s, it, it wasn't that prevalent. Um, not like it is now. Soccer in America has grown tremendously. Um, notably, there's still some room to grow, and, and, you know, us Americans, we always strive to be the best, um, so we're not gonna stop there. But it, it has grown tremendously to where it, growing up now, um, kids growing up now, they have access to soccer, um, not like we did, or where, um, it, you know, so going to school, kids didn't really play soccer. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was basketball, it was football. So I got into those other sports as well, but it was always refreshing to see the other players who did play because it was emerging, so it wasn't as if it was um, I was the first one and only one my eighth. But um, that's how I actually got into soccer, and my dad was very strategic on how he helped me navigate the youth system, which can be tricky, and it actually has probably gotten more tricky um, but it was even tricky back then. If you weren't in the right programs, in the right clubs, you didn't have access. Yeah. and Access is not necessarily um, common or e- easily given. It, it does go to um, more of the higher echelon, more of the um, selected areas. Absolutely. And my dad was a student. Um, I'm not sure how he did it without Internet, but <laughs> he, he, he researched. However he did it, he researched and always found um, top programs um, to put me in. Um, I started off at, at the time they called it ASA. Right now it's called Inner Atlanta. And that was like, there was, I was their second generation rec player. Right now it's a massive club, but at the time we're, we're like the second team. And I played um, two, three years up at first, um, my entire recreational experience. When I was age 10, my dad dropped me down to only play two years up. And that's when they had their first premier select travel team where you go play against other teams in the state. Mm. And I was playing two years up, um, and that was that was beneficial. At the time, I didn't know I was even good because um, I guess I'm everyone's kind of older than me. Yeah. Uh, you remember Ryan Miller, um, Jesse? Um, those guys were on that actual team. That's how I know. I, I kept loose with them during the high school, um, my high school experience. Yeah. Um, after one season of that, my dad he researched the top top team in the state, and he took me there. It was at the time was we stubborn Storm, and um, and I went down there and tried out for the team, and, and um, what they did was they dropped me down in one age group because it was the best team in the state. Yeah. So I, so they dropped me down another age group, and it was it, I played for a team called Blizzards, and this Blizzards team was a it was an interesting experience because this is the first time I've been on the field that I've noticeably realized that there are other players Most of the players look like me um Mm. most of the things i was the only um african-american player on the team yeah and this team was full of with african-american players There's a caribbean coach um wayne fortune and he had caribbean players and that was eye-opening all these guys were dope fast um um skillful all of them were were really really extremely good um and i fit in with them you know i didn't necessarily feel like I didn't feel like I was, you know, an elite elite amongst the group. Um, and they had a pecking order. There was one guy named Kayish. This guy was fast as lightning. And um, there's another guy named Malachi. He was the host, maybe the star of the team, really skillful. And I fit in and I helped the team out, and um, but I was still younger. Um, I did that for another season, and then the next year they they, they um, talked me into guest playing with my own age group. Mm. and When I was probably under 11 or 12, it was the first time I played my own age group. And this is when I really saw um, a difference. The speed of play was slower, and I was able to excel. I was able to um, score goals at will, at ease, and this allowed me to get my confidence up. Yeah. And the strategy of playing up at a young age and coming back down—it's—it's it's actually a really good strategy, and it really should be utilized a lot more. But that was the—that was when I really started to flourish in a lot it had to do with the confidence injection it came from coming down
2: yeah
0: dang i didn't even i didn't even imagine like i I, first of all i guess i'm wondering because your experience is totally different from mine i've never found a team in atlanta especially growing up that (laughs) had a bunch of brothers on the team was that like in the in the outskirts on the suburbs was it in a specific area or yeah it was in
1: stone mountain still ah. so it it was there was a um a growing Lo- prominent black community in the suburbs, um, yeah. uh, Snow Mountain. And it wasn't a black club. Um, the, the coach, what he did was he actually kept his team together. So he would take his team from one club to another club for, so they can get access to the higher level leagues. Yeah. Um, and and it was, it was hindsight, it was one coach trailblazing that. His name was Wayne Fortune, and it was trailblazing that. And the team went on to, um, all those kids, um, we're, we're top kids in the state. Like, he always were in the first or second um, division in the state. Um, unfortunately, there were actually some of those um, – Pais, like I mentioned, um, he, he – you know, he – I think he was – he got locked up for um, like 10 years for for um, something that was kind of tragic. And yeah. um, Wayne Fortress' son, I believe, was killed. It was still a rough kind of area a little bit. Right. Um, and, but I do know that um, – most of those kids that were on that team really prospered like right now they're still doing well and and just soccer in general does a lot for your development and, and I think that um, in general, just having, having access, I think is a big thing yeah that, that's kind of that story a little bit with that team definitely Blizzards.
0: It created probably an outlet for them, and unfortunately you know that's, I mean that's how life is in, 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 in life and sport where you know, you're still a product of your environment, and if you kind of get mm-hmm. sucked into the wrong things, you know that kind of stuff. You know, unfortunate stuff can happen. So, talk to me about uh, before we get into your like professional career, just your idea. Because obviously, you're a coach now. You 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 preach very uh, um, very clearly about coordination development and 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 things like that. What about your development years? What would you attribute, you know, the the highest of your development kind of growing up?
1: Awesome. Yeah. Good question. Um, so for me, um, the, the, my starting story, it, it, it was what got me in. and But my really passion for um, for soccer and really striving for the highest level didn't kick into um, maybe two years after I was I uh, was already one of the better players in the state. Yeah. Right. I still in kind of cruise control. And um, at the time, um, once you're on a top level team, I was uh, I went to United Quest. And I was the state championship team and we went everything in state and go to regionals. And once you're in that circle, you start to know the ins and outs of the system because of the other parents and the coaches that you're on. They get all the invitations. And at the time, ODP was really big. ODP was prominent. Mm. um, So ODP is an Olympic development program where they pick the top kids in the state, and then they have a tryout, and then they train them one time a week. And then at the end, they go play a a region camp, a tournament of the the top um, kids in each state, making their own state team, and they play against each other. And then the top kids from that program get selected to what they call the region team. And then you have four regions. So each region would do that. You have a region one, two, three, and four. And once you make that region team, you train a couple times, and then you go play in what in a national camp. And that's when region one plays against region two, three, and four. Um, we were region three, and, and I made the ODP team, and I did extremely well. Um, I made the region team, I made, and then I went all the way up to the national pool. Mm. And so I made some really good friends at the process and doing national camp. I had an unbelievable experience and um, I thought I was a shoe in the making team. We had four games. I scored four goals and they were good goals. Um, So I thought it was a shoe in the making team. And we we sat down to get an evaluation and what the national team's coaches told me that, um, that they looked at each other oddly. And then they said that um, I'm a man among boys um, Mm. and that, I was, you know, bigger than, than some kids and, and um, some other strikers. And so I was doing a little bit less off-the-ball movement. And I should go home and work and uh, come back again. So they're going to see me um, next event, right? Um, so it, it, it didn't sit well with me because I didn't quite understand. Yeah, um, those don't and I didn't quite up. Are they saying I'm too big? I, yeah. that, I, what, what are they trying to say? Um, and I was, I, even at the time I realized that, hey, if there's some off-the-ball movement work I need to be doing, then, you know, me to the program and i'll do it right but when i went home i went home and i went home hungry and um i never got i never went went to that next tournament
3: Hmm.
1: and i didn't know why and 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 it kind of ate at me so i never stopped training but this is what actually drove that desire in me not making that team and then not having a clear reason why i wasn't on those teams and i knew every time i had a national team selection or camp because my my friends were going yeah, I'm actually really good friends at the time, and they would be getting called up, and I wouldn't get called up. So I was thinking they're saying I'm not good enough. Yeah, that's just how I looked at it. So, um, and I also too was well aware of what type of training they were getting. And going back to Grady, Matt, hey Matt, I love Grady so much, and it was a ball playing the years I played, but the level of where where um, youth soccer was and locally in Georgia, especially in the high school we went to, was nowhere near the level of where the national team guys were playing at. And so I wasn't getting the same training. So what I did was I said, all right, I'm going to, I'm not going to fall behind. What I'm going to do is I'm going to create my own training system. All
3: right.
1: I'm I'm going to train myself. If I have to be here in Georgia, I'm going to figure it out. Almost guerrilla style. Um, So what I did was I took a notebook and I put a big W-9 on the notebook. And I started to record every single thing I learned. I journaled. Um, In hindsight, it was was to create a self-training system for myself to keep afloat. Yeah, this is when I really became a student again. Um, not just from paying super close attention to coaches, and I had good coaches, and I had good trainers, but also to studying the game on my own. I'm mm. um, watching um, footage, watch studying games. I was making sure that I was, um, I, I recorded the games because at the time, soccer wasn't that um, wasn't on Frederick air. It is now on TV. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So when the World Cup came, I recorded every single game. Proactive recording every single game. Um I proactively recorded every single Euro championship and I would um watch those games over and over again and um study them, truly study them, put the game in slow motion, rewind it, pause it, um, take detailed notes. Um I could tell you about almost every single um player in that World Cup and how they played their style of play. Um and, and, and recall each game. Wow. And and, and what how were you at the I, time? How you well, know fourteen, fifteen. Wow. Yeah, this is when I started around yeah. that age, and as I, as I grew, I, I became more adept in doing it. But that's the age I started to do it. I started to take development seriously, yeah. um, and and um, but yeah, that, that's what I learned really from that was um, ultimately um, that because I recorded the information, it was and I wrote it down. It it, 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 it helped it helped it stick. Yeah. I created rules, and I built on top of each other. I created rules, and and ultimately, um, I, I called it laws. Like like, and I had so the so Where I organized the notebook, it was where I had um, I had a table of contents in the front, and then I recorded each bit in a, um, I, I would have a label, so I would have a Q would be a quote, a T R would be a training method, a T I would be a tip, a um, S would be a, a saying, a um, a quote would be a Q. And I would um, date each journal entry and mm. then put one of those labels at the beginning of it. And that way, I was able to keep everything organized. That's funny. I, mean. I, I would execute. I would actually do it. So yeah. when, I, when I had a training method, I would actually train. Yeah. And by the time I was 2021, um, so I was, I was around junior year in school, I, I, I went to typing class and I would learn wor- words and I, I typed up every single note also to help reinforce the memory yeah um when i typed it up i saw that because i had the m there i could just search for m dot and i could just recall all the moves um so that was where where my first my first passion drove and then this is was was from that disappointment this is what it, it evolved into Man. um all out obsession almost to develop in my craft and it came from studying and also to doing the doing the sacrifices needed where ultimately in order to become a high level athlete, really a high level individual, especially at a young age, you have to sacrifice things. I didn't go to prom. I didn't have a girlfriend. I didn't Mm. date. Um, I I applied myself, you know, really solely onto the game where school was not only from education, but that was actually my only social life really. Yeah. So at school that's when I would take the time to actually make friends and, and, and try to keep my, um, my lasting friends, um, Because by the time I was a junior, I saw my progression and how it was going. going, I was going to go pro, if not go to a high-level D1 school, and the trajectory was there. So I was trying to um, understand how to be a professional, and it's it's actually kind of a scary thing a little bit, just because of um, when you're when you're young and you're in the spotlight. It is where um, you don't know who's who. Yeah. And it is a little bit of vulnerable. So in high school, I really took the time to try to learn people and try to see who's my friends, who's not my friends. Yeah. So to go the world I was secure. Yeah. Um, and when I was a senior year, I actually journaled as well, a different journal. Um, I didn't just journal my um your training. My training. I yeah. started to this is what was going on in my head. I was saying, all right, I'm gonna write down Everything I learned, how I feel. And so when I do go pro, I have something to give back, right? I have something that I can't just speak on it. And to be honest with you, um, this is the origin. These are the journals that I, that I wrote into. Wow.
0: Those are the originals from, from 2001?
1: Yeah. These are, this, is, this is the second journal of my notes. And if you can see that this one was 2003. That's that was two thousand three. Yeah. I, I recorded every Everything. Um, from those days like, like To me that was always precious But not only that, all, all the way from the, the games The World Cup games I still have the VHS's
0: This man's got the tapes in a shoebox No less, wow this is,
1: this, is the second, this is the second notebook I typed up
0: Yeah, um, look at that W9
1: I, I, I did an art project and I literally named everything And if you can see how I typed it up <laughs> These are the original documents I kept um, From that time
0: I mean, that's, I, you gotta, you gotta understand, Warren, that's like elite mentality for somebody who's, you know, you know, uh, uh, uh preteen to teenage years, somebody 14 years old, like to, to, I mean, that's mamba mentality, uh, something that not a lot of kids have at that age. And you're telling me that this, I mean, probably one of the biggest catalysts was uh, the disappointment of not playing in a, in a national or in a pool where you knew you were good enough to play. Like, uh, and I and I'll give you an example. I was I played Region Three as well, and um, uh, kind of same story. Even though it was it was much more prominent for me that there was like a club, like a boys club. Like, you know, this kid knew the coach. This kid was the son of the coach. These were all friends. And I just felt kind of on the outside. So even though I was kind of balling in the tryouts and especially, you know, first you play the like 1v1s or the the small sided, you know, quick two touch games, which I was excelling at. But then you play, you know, and, and I'm not sure if they still do this anymore, but then you play this kind of full field and that's when you really show that you know the game. And same, same with me. I, I, I was playing kind of like a midfield, and I was scoring goals. I was distributing. And I, uh, and, and I was just curious why I wasn't playing. But kind of, you know, contrary to you, I was kind of discouraged. You know, I just kind of came with the mentality that, like, they didn't like me. They were in a boys' club. You know, and I, I kept playing, obviously, but you took it to another level. Like, no, they're going to see me. So tell me, I mean, missing prom, having these VHS tapes, you, were, you had that elite mentality. How, how did it translate into kind of the next step? You know, what was the next step? I know you said you wanted to go pro, maybe play D1. Yeah, so um, one
1: of my good friends, he passed away. Um, he, he, went, he went to Furman University, Greg Griffin and passed away and um, went to his funeral. And um, I saw some of my old teammates there. We all mourned him. And um, mm. some of them went pro. Like Eddie Johnson, Barterio. Um, they, they all, they, these guys went pro. And I was not going to um, be left behind. So I, I set on a mission to to go pro. I had um, a lot of sco- um, college scholarships offered to yeah. me where I, I decided, no, I'm going to keep a pace. And so that,
0: they were going pro without college. They were going straight in.
1: They MLS had a um, Adidas Adidas generation Adidas where yeah. they were signing people to pro, um pro contracts. And um yeah, they were going straight pro. Wow at the time it was I mean they still they're still doing it. Like young players are still going professional. At the time it was a, an anomaly, but it, it it was where um where the notion of going pro versus going to college you're around professional players earlier and then therefore you can, you can um, gauge and, and develop. Yeah. I do. I, 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 that might be a different story, but I do. Uh, they're going pro at a young age. has a lot of hiccups and hurdles as well, which I'll touch basically with you later. Yeah. But to answer your question though, um, it, 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 it drove me. It did. Okay. And hindsight, it it, it was where it is a, and I knew it at the time too, it is a good old boys kind of club. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, just to be a bit controversy, it it was where I was well aware of what I now deem like a token system. Right. Mm. There I can name, there's like two African-American kids on that team, two black kids on that team. I know there are two.
0: Yeah. Right. Every time.
1: Third, That's who I'm competing with. The third, not everyone. Right. Okay. And that's, probably always been like that from my youth career. I remember, I, I could distinctly remember there being two, two black kids. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, they say things are systematic, but it, it's still like that. So it, 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 I, I, I cannot tell you the reason why um, it's like that um, from a, um, except the fact that it's, it's part of the system. Exactly. That we're in. All yeah. the development
0: uh, we've come to this far and you're still kind of seeing the same things that we saw 20 years ago, right?
1: Correct. Yeah. It's still going on, and that is um, still a burning desire for me that I'm still on this same mission. I haven't stopped, really, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, that disappointment only led me to have fight for the next generation. I, I, I haven't stopped yet, and ultimately, I had a really great professional career. But I don't. I don't feel like I succeeded. I don't feel like I, I reached the heights that I my potential could have reached. Mm. I was a lot better than what. Than the level I reached, yeah, and and it does take an engine behind you, and and it does take one. It does take a um, a dedicated system. It does take network. It does take a pathway for you to be able to get there. Mm-hmm. And looking at it right now, actually, America is not still set up and built to for the American player to develop, yep. especially Amer- American players and African American community. It's not set up that way.
3: Mm. It's
1: um the the I I love watching the U.S. play right now even on the world stage, um, because you can see the potential. But a lot of those players, most of those players have to go to Europe at a young age um, and get into their academy systems um, because from a business standpoint, the American youth system, collegiate system, professional, even even the MLS system, is not structured to develop and nurture young talent. Yeah. They're they're more structured to evaluate um, and... um, evaluate young
0: talent <laughs> evaluate judge and pick, judge, pick yes. whoever's winning right
1: yeah and and uh, and filter yeah and filter. you're yeah. you're picked you're selected and Matt, I feel you 100% I'm still seeing it now where I'm working with some players that have huge potential and they don't make a team because of a reason like maybe they're too small at that time because they didn't go to puberty and I see the discouragement I see the discouragement yeah right And and it's hard not to have that, right? It's really hard not to have that. I kind of have a a more of a rebellious spirit anyway. Um, But one of the main reasons why, and and it didn't hit me. It didn't hit me until I was playing for the Silverbacks, right? It's the Atlanta Atlanta professional team, highest level in Atlanta right now. This will equate to Atlanta United right now. Um, I was there at 20 years old, and I was playing for them in front of my home people, Right, yeah. my the, the state team coach was there, the region team coach. These guys are there. I made it. At the end of the day, there's no doubt that um, I was slept on. Right. right? So mm-hmm. I I I've proven everything to everyone that I wanted to prove to, even at that particular point. Sil- right.
0: Silverbacks at that time was the Atlanta's the highest professional team. Uh, Correct. That yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Right. And, and, and it wasn't you know Atlanta has fifty thousand people coming. To, it wasn't that yeah. big at all from the <laughs> marketing standpoint, but the 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 anyone who was in the soccer world was it was, was was knew what was going That's on. That's what they you wanted there.
0: to be. You wanted to be at Silverbacks yeah. Park. They had, the they had put some right. money in there. They had had some parks developed. You know, yeah, it
1: was right. it was the and it was level. and they were good man. It was it was talented group. It was they always had good teams. It was really a high level. Um, after a game, I I, I, I work my you know going pro it's not easy man. Like you go there, you're stud as a youth, and you and then you meet these um, <laughs> everybody are are big fish. Was the best on their team, team, right? Best on their team, best in their state, best in their region, best in their college, best – they're all the best, period. But then now they have 10 years more experience playing professionally than you do. Mm. It's a struggle. But it's a good struggle because it it actually does um, um, put you in a sink or swim situation to where you can kind of – you're going to grow or you're going to sink, right? And um, I grew. So I wasn't starting, um, but by the end of the season, I, I started scoring goals. I got into the game I'm starting. Um. After the game, I come and and um, I'm 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 saying hi to my family and my friends. I saw my state team coach, um, um, Karim, and he and I and you know at the game you could drink a little bit, so he had a little and he said, um, "Hey, you're still um, you're still mooning guys on the on on the bus."
0: Mm. And I looked at him and I'm. What's he talking about?
1: I didn't know, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought about it and 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 later I asked him. Yeah. I was blackballed. Mm. I was in trouble. I got in trouble with a region team coach, right? Yeah. And I was blackballed from that region team, and I didn't know. I didn't know to apologize. I didn't know I was in trouble. I didn't know. Yeah. Right? So this is me, inner city kid. I mean, Matt, mooning someone is not something inner city kids do. So <laughs> I, I'm not saying I'm confessing to that alleg- allegation, <laughs> but I do know I was rough around the edges. Yeah. Me going to crazy you know, Grady's like a split school, but I was more on the – I was around the rougher kids. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's, and, it's, and it's I'm, in town. It's not in the suburbs like the rest of the kids who were probably on the region team. team you know, you're yeah, correct. inner city kid.
1: Yeah. Correct. Correct. So I didn't necessarily – and I wasn't necessarily the best representation of American soccer, you would say. Right? This is more of the LeBrons or the – um, um, Alan Iverson. That doesn't really exist in a soccer. True. Which, football. which we're
0: trying to get more on. You know, in fed into the system. You know, uh, into the development system. So explain this mooning thing a little bit more. You,
1: you were, you, you were yeah. a kid, and there was an incident. Yeah. So I was, I was, I was a kid, and this is why I wasn't called back up to the national team. Wow. I didn't know. So if I had known that, I might have been able to um, deal with it, process it differently. Clearly, because you had the mentality. I didn't know, I thought they were saying, it's my ability. Wow. And so I clearly went out every single time and shitted on everyone. Yeah. But with pure pure malice and pure (laughs) intent, Where you could not deny me. You could not deny me. Every region camp I went to, every single event I went to, I literally went out with that intent to.
2: Yeah. Because
1: I was not going to be denied. And and ultimately, that's what was the driving force. That was the driving force. I kept getting better and better. And I kept performing better and better. And I still wasn't getting a call up. So I, I became rebellious to the system. I became rebellious to the system to chart my, to chart another path. Yeah, and I didn't know that was a cause until then, where where, where it, it dawned on me. Yeah, it, it dawned, everything hit, and I I think I cried. I was like, this is that why I did it? It, it was.
0: It, so I mean, so so run it back. You're like what 14? You're probably at some tournament and you're mm-hmm. playing around with your other you know 14 year old teammates, and
1: then you moon somebody. And you know, you say, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was that it was, we were on a bus and guys were mooning. I was going to, I remember this clearly. I didn't get up and I looked and, and, and the coach called me up and he had, he, he talked he called me and another kid to the front and he was like, Hey man, I don't want to hear any more trouble out of you guys. All right. Wow. And that was it. So I was like, okay, cool. We didn't, I didn't get any more trouble and I thought it was fine. No, it was literally that, 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 that stuck with me throughout my yeah. youth experience. Um, and then
0: mix that with the uh oh he's a man amongst boys, you know, it's like you're you're being dehumanized as a as a kid, essentially. Yeah.
1: You know? I mean, yeah. I, I was I, I and, and you to were right, I, I was I am an inner city. I am rough around eggs. I did grow up wrestling, watching WCW. I did do those things. Matt, Matt you went to my school, Matt. I was I wasn't yeah, I wasn't a pushover. It, it wasn't a it wasn't a um a soft guys weren't soft. Yeah, and I wasn't a pushover. Yeah. I think that type of energy is needed. But at the end of the day, it, 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 it is where um, where there's clear discrimination there because Absolutely. it there's clear discrimination there. And it, it's not – it's overt. Any any one mistake – it's not like it's a continuous thing. One mistake can kind of get you knocked out the, out the system.
0: Yeah. Right? And imagine how many um, great basketball players just by comparison, like a Draymond Green or, I mean, shoot, LeBron James, if they weren't allowed to just kind of be kids and express themselves and be rough, you know, as they develop – where they would be in their careers, it would be a completely different story. But I'm, I'm digressing a little bit. But
1: yeah, no, I mean, there's a great points, and right now, I don't. Uh, there's no light being shedded to this to where there's even no one advocating because it's something that's so um, nobody's speaking up about it. I agree, and, and, and it's not a coincidence. You you, you know, you look at a, at you look at youth soccer, and you look at the landscapes, and and there's not a lot of inner city kids playing. Just yeah, not. And there, there's a movement to get more, um, you know, black African-American kid playing. But even to be honest, if you look at the geographical locations that that's happening, those are still the more affluent black neighborhoods versus the inner city ones. Yeah. And and, and, the- and
0: and it's and it's clearly systemic. I'm, I'm going to give you a quick story uh, to maybe kind of transition into. You know, development and, and your thoughts around that, because I definitely want to talk about that. But, like, I, I, I met somebody at the post office here in LA, uh, struck up a conversation about soccer, and, you know, I got a little bit too passionate and started talking about how I want to see more kids who look like me who are in it. And this woman told me, you know, her daughter loved soccer. She was playing youth uh, in a local park, and uh, she quit and, and cried on her last game because uh, her last game she had braids in her hair. and um, and those braids had some beads on the end of it, um, and the referee. And this is like U eight, Warren. This is not you know any top high level. You know you need to really follow all the rules. Um, but but essentially the referee would not let her play because of the braids in her hair. They weren't long. They were just kind of down to her shoulders. You know, and and again, when you talk about systemic, it just speaks to you know she was the only black girl on her team. So it speaks to just the 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 you know maybe there is something in the rules you shouldn't have any plastic in your hair or whatever but just the understanding of our community our culture that little black girls wear braids in their hair and those braids have beads little black boys act like this if you're if you're in a coaching or leadership position and you're not around that and that culture all the time that's like an immediate glass ceiling for those kids because they just don't understand you. They're not around you enough to see that kind of stuff. So it's it's interesting to me.
1: It's truly passionate. I'm truly passionate about that. And yeah. for example, that example you're talking about, it it from the aunt, in my perspective, you have no they have no one no has no idea of how much that's going on consistently with that girl. Yeah. Just being the only black girl. She it, it's not even relatable. Even to the parents around the other parents. It, it, it's they're not gonna understand. Um, to a point where one boiling point with the hair. I'm sure it's more than that. Yeah, but it, there's probably one incident that's going on. Um, but it, it is where <laughs> I still see it. So I'm, 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 um, something stuck out to me the other day. I was walking, um, not coaching, just on the sideline, and I and there's one black kid on the team, and every single time he got the ball, I hear a parent yelling, "Pass it! Pass it! Quickly!" Every single time he touched wow. the ball, yeah, just just harping at the kid other kids get is, is silenced. Every single time that one kid got the ball, he's yelling at to get rid of. And it's just, and I feel for it. And I feel for it. And I see that from a parent standpoint, what can, what can his the dad do? Is dad going to make a big deal out of it?
2: Yeah.
1: Right. And he's the only, is he going to scream race, racist? What can it, cause it, it, it doesn't, it's not overt racism. Yeah. No. It's, overt. It's, it's very, it's so, it's subliminal. It's like minute that
0: people are like, that's not racist. That's just, you know, Right. Hey, hey, I, thought he, I thought
1: he should pass the ball. Right. <laughs> right. You know, like just give him give him an advice. It's interesting. But it, it, it's it's it it weighs on you though, right? Yeah. And you have to be you have to be thick skin to be to be you have to be thick skin. I I I've developed a very thick skin to where I'm almost mute.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm almost mute. I, I know how to not say anything and just get along, and get, that's what it actually takes. Um, and this is half of the message. Just giving back. Just um. Even as a coach, right now um, the community kids I coach, it it, it, it is affluential to, to the most part.
3: Yeah. Right.
1: I've started a nonprofit in order to even be able to um, work with um, more of the inner city kids and so forth. Right. Mm. Call it WI Solutions, where it, it allows me to be able to keep the business afloat and still work with with, with players who can't necessarily afford the enormous fees of of travel ball. Yeah. It's, it's costly. It's it's it, it what when I first first start coaching it was $10,000 at least in order to be able to do youth soccer right now. that's almost at 20. If you include ODP, if you include all the extra training you, you need, um, if you include, if you include the different clinics for the Atlanta United trials and so forth, the, 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 the cost skyrockets yeah. when you account for the travel and the, in the, also to the cost yeah. where, um, where there's some good programs that provide entry level, um, Programming like soccer andstricia in Georgia where they do recreational and they start trying to do academy but when you get to um, actually go through those programs and be a high level player yeah. there's really nothing for you right now. Um, there's nothing for you you can either get lucky like for me to be just to be 100 honest I was scholarship. I was scholarship yeah. I was um, most of the teams I played I played for I was full scholarship pay for uniforms, travel everything. Um and then and then yeah everything
0: your your, so, your story is not uncommon either I'm I'm starting to hear a lot especially black players talk about you know the the successful ones kind of had got lucky in in a scholarship or somebody looking after them yeah
1: yeah it's needed it's needed because in America you need backing so in the in in, in the backings come from your parents so if the parents are not um can't afford it then what are the other options yeah it's America where yeah. there's other around the world there's other options they actually have a business model for developing talent yeah right and that's them from their professional teams um selling players so the club makes money so they're invest in developing younger talent so they will pay for their their, the young players development that model doesn't exist currently right now in america no so all of the development is going to come from uh, the parents Mm. um unless you can find yourself uh, on a team that is a competitive team in that you have proven yourself to be a um, a, a game changer every single game yeah. to where you can constantly earn and retain your scholarships.
0: Which that doesn't speak to any kind of development. That speaks to results only – football right. to a certain extent right. so talk about right. being in being so obviously you you go you have a, a an excellent pro career you clearly had kind of the coaching again the mama mentality from a young age so it was almost like a no-brainer to go into coaching what barriers did you see kind of going into coaching trying to start a club um you know like, trying to figure awesome. out what players you wanted to coach all of that stuff
1: great question Matt okay so as a as a as a young developing player, I wrote a journal for me. Hmm. I wrote that for me. It wasn't written for the world. It wasn't written for anything else. I wanted to be the best player I possibly could be, the best player in the world. I imagine, imagine myself um, becoming the best player in the world, winning World Cups. Um, um, i publishing my book that I wrote because I was going to give the notes back. Publishing a book. Publishing a book. Jumping into real estate, and then, you know, that that's what I envisioned. Yeah. Right. yeah, didn't turn out that way, right? So I was around twenty-eight. Um, I was in Vietnam and um I wrote I had a product I had a product that I was using that I made. And I was talking to a good friend of mine, Koisi, you, you know Coisy. Um and, and we set out the case, young, you know, started business, right? So um he he asked me a good question. How do you use what what's the basis behind this product? Right? This is resistant equipment, right? So I, I I wrote a manual to explain it, but then I elaborated on that manual. And in that manual I put a lot of like this where I came up with the concept from, and that's that's the book I, I recently published called Coordination Training. Mm. Um, I was twenty eight. I was in Vietnam when I wrote that, and it was a time where I sat down and I was able to think because no one else spoke English. Um, so I was had, it was all my wilderness. I was you know <laughs> in exclusion. So mm. I, I, I sat down and did a lot of research, and I wrote um, that book Coordination Training. So when I came back to uh, came back to America um, off season. And I was like, all right, boom. I'm going to, um, um, I want to settle down. I want to settle down in Georgia, right? And um, so I, I decided to get into coaching, okay? I'm going to try it out just to see um, what that's all about. It wasn't really a desire of mine, but I was in town extended, extendedly. Mm. And um, what I realized was that the book I was writing was way past where kids are at right now
3: mm.
1: that's actually for like an elite athletes professionals and they put me with a a 16 so you Georgia soccer got so big that this club I was at had a first team second team 13 14 15 16. wow I was under 11 16 girls team wow these girls were basically new they couldn't even stand on one foot <laughs> so what I did was I said man I said, I know what to do, though. Literally, they don't even know what I learned as a kid. Yeah. So I went to the notes that I had, and and I found that I was able to write things down in a very simple way that kids can understand, probably because I was a kid when I wrote it, step-by-step, step, very detailed in a very orderly fashion. Yeah. And um, so what I did was I went out to work with these girls, and I organized the book into nine different pillars, okay? So I had years and years of notes. I took away everything except the most important, the important techniques and um, things you need in order to develop, and I condensed everything into nine different pillars. Um, just to give you a quick overview: um, Pillar One, body mechanics and movement. What I find was that most technical errors lies with players' body mechanics. They're either um knees are not bent enough. They're they're um way they're positioned their foot's not off, they're not using their arms effectively. And you, so I break down just basic understanding of body mechanics and movement, and then that gives a gauge of of, of 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 developing to start. Um now going to moving with the ball, ball mastery. All right. So ball ball mastery has to do with um just understanding of the ball and how to particularly manipulate it. And I broke things down to like several key concepts and drills you need to know, you need to, know to do to, to deal with the ball. Just the key concepts, yeah. right? Um, but, I, but everything's very detail orientated. So meaning that um, I try to give players an understanding of how things work and I'm able to give a player of, of how things work versus just showing them. And that's really how players usually tend to learn the most is just by seeing a demonstration yeah. and then doing it. And I, could, I really personally feel like that's an ability, right? Kind of like copycat, um, Catwoman, she's a copycat. Yeah, yeah. And I have that ability, Matt, you have that ability to be able to see someone do something and then you'd be able to replicate. I was watching you Some don't. Yeah. Some players don't. Wow. So by me breaking okay. it down, they're able to be able to um, figure it out a little bit easier. But what I found was that the players who do have that ability, it helps them analyze things and self-correct. So, so the, the breakdown just helps players to be able to develop at a rap, at, at a more rapid rate. Yeah. So I do the same thing with pass receiving, give a detailed breakdown. Um, um, after pass receiving, I go into um, finishing. So those are the four technical. Mm-hmm. And finishing is a, is a key pillar because inside of you soccer, that's probably the most underdeveloped aspect. It has everything to do with how teams are built. Okay. Mm-hmm. Once you get into a high level team, a good coach is going to want to organize his back line. Teach kid how to um, teach their team how to possess, move guys back, um, making sure that they're solid defensively, and then they work their way upwards to strikers.
0: Wow, that, I mean, hold on, I got to pause on that because one, that's just that sounds amazing, and two, that sounds almost exactly what we're missing in the U.S. national team even to this point, even with these players yeah. developing in Europe. That's interesting.
1: Correct. Correct. Now you have to go and. Um, hope like u.s is trying to go recruit
0: yeah you go Um, recruit recruit a striker who actually knows how to finish and that's that's what i saw in the world cup it was like wow like we we can put pressure on the ball now we're defensively uh sound have a good schematic oh man Mm -hmm. we're even having possession against some of these big time teams against england but damn we don't know what to do in the final third
1: and i'll touch bases on that because our 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 country is based off of games. Mm. We're a game oriented country to where we're not prioritized developing. Um, the parents, the players, they wanna play games, the coaches, they, they everything's dedicated to the, to the game. In order to go into a game, you have to compete, all right? In order to compete, you have to be a well-oiled machine when it comes to your team. Yeah. And team building does not incorporate strikers. I personally feel like striking or striker is a specialized skill just like goalkeeping. It's wow. a specialized skill. Yeah. You need to do hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of repetitions in order for you to be clinical that second that you get that ball and the opportunity. Mm. It's 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 it, it, you don't get that in team training. Team training is more possession orientated. Yeah. it's more systematic. You don't get your reps. And clubs keep players right now. The top clubs train four times a week. Then games on the weekend. They players are not having enough time finishing on yeah. goal. Right, so that that's why that's a key pillar. To keep finishing is a key pillar that's separate, and I feel like every player needs to work on finishing away from their team environment. It, it, they need to be shooting. They right. need to be shooting different angles, different degrees, one touch, two touch, dribble shots. It, 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 that I can I cannot stress that enough.
0: That's paramount because honestly, I think about even my development growing up. Um, you know and it's funny too, because every kid loves to just bring a ball and shoot, right It's almost you know the equivalent to going on a basketball court and shooting. but I remember being told specifically by multiple coaches like like hey like this is not what you need to be doing like you need to be doing ball exercises working on your touch and this and that, which I did, but I mean yeah that is that is a key element that just that seems like it's missing and 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 to that point yeah, yeah. you you talk about even in your book um about regimen you know you have your coordination training but if if it's not structured at least to to you doing at least once a week or twice a week or something like that then it won't kind of stick you won't get the muscle memory but I'm curious kind of from you you know there's a thought of unstructured football and Mm -hmm. and just going out there and playing and just kind of playing just because it's fun going and playing pickup Um, what are the what would be the differences or is that its own kind of regimen in a way
1: it is and, and, and there's a difference though there's a, there's a difference because of the, of cultural okay mm. there's a cultural difference you got we got to realize where we are we're in america mm. okay and um honestly you're in the, I, I saw i i follow you matt and i know that california even watching your podcast california has a a a, a even a um it's an awesome football culture yeah, compared to culture here. yeah we don't have there's no there's not a lot of high level pickup games around right now even now currently yeah but definitely not from a youth standpoint um, p- parents just don't let their kids go out. They don't. It's all, it all it's all overly structured. Right. So if, if I do believe in that, but it, I don't think it works in this culture. Mm. It doesn't work in this culture because um, kids are just not out playing random pickups. And if a parent drops a kid off to play random pickup, who's structuring those pickup games? Do kids know how to structure pickup games? Are they doing it? How is intensity of those pickup games versus? Mm. Um, Let's say I had a good friend, Marcelo Leite, one of the best players I ever played with. Right, unbelievable, um, Brazilian, and and he told me what he did growing up. Like he literally, they literally go to the to to, to their gym. They, they didn't have basketball gym; they had football courts, and they'll play all day long. But these would be some of the most high low, highest intensity games, where that matters. You go to a pickup game, and everybody's walking, and you're not going to get any better. Yeah. Wow, it has to actually be an, a a a high level pickup game, yeah. Versus to, a pickup game has to
0: drive you. You know, people have to be out there competing. Interesting.
1: Correct. So the, the regiment thing is that since that since that doesn't exist in our culture, and if you live in a city that exists, you need to be at those games.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: if you're not, which is going to be most communities around this country, mm-hmm. you need to actually be disciplined and to go out and work on your game by yourself, or, or you be an organizer and set up training environments for yourself with your buddies interesting wow All right and that needs to be done consistently
0: yeah that makes sense man I, yeah it definitely makes sense it speaks to the culture in america we're not brazil we, we don't live breathe eat sleep football you know soccer we're not going to just be out in the streets playing high level players randomly you know we do need to be in areas kind of to your point maybe just Maybe just being a kid, even in unstructured football, if you're a kid and you're playing with adults playing pickup, maybe yeah. that might be a little bit more intense environment for you to to, to succeed. And I and yeah. I have seen that in California. Uh, what I mean, just just around the world, this is like a completely off question to, to the momentum we're going. But where would you put Georgia in? Uh, you know, in the in the footballing culture. Of America, let's say you know. Obviously, we know California, the coastal states, California, Florida, maybe Texas always <laughs> have you know it's warm. You know they're playing yeah. year round, they're outside. Um, you know, once Atlanta's expansion team came, Atlanta United, you kind of saw the culture that was you know boiling underneath blow up into this like almost super fandom. Now they're selling out, like you said, fifty thousand know, dollar, fifty thousand people crowds. Um, yeah, you know, just just based on what you've seen, maybe around the world and you know in, in the states, you know wh- where would you say Georgia is uh, 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 in in the higher Georgia?
1: Arctic. Georgia is has one of the most talented pools of players out there. So it rivals California, Texas. Though it rivals them. Yeah, the system's broken, Matt. The mm-hmm. system's broken, absolutely broken. There's so many talented players that come out that where do they go? What's it? What's for them there?
2: Yeah,
3: it's
1: it's actually ridiculous. But just let me just explain that a little bit, okay? So, all right, everything's team based, okay? Now, now, if you're a talented player, you need a platform to be able to show your talent. So you got to make a team, right? First of all, they're already by making those teams. You're gonna deal with. You got to go to like five different clubs in order to be in a high level league, right? In Georgia, that's um, Concord GSA UFA. You have SSA you have NASA mm. all right you, you have a, a second pair. let's say AFC uh, in Atlanta these also two um, KSA you, you have a second tier but you got have to be one of those those clubs yeah those clubs top team they're going to be like three different coaches that you're going to have to have a choose from all right so those coaches gotta like you first of all right and, and be on those teams okay but secondly now you're on their schedule their regimen now what are their ultimately ultimate goals their goals are to compete, to maybe win the states, win regionals, win whatever they're gonna win, all right? And that's it. Mm. It's not player-centric, right? It's not player-centric. So what, what what's going on is that um, the teams, the young teams are, are, are super talented. There's talented kids all over here, and they get put into a very structured environment, and they go out and play game after game after game after game after game and compete. At, by the time they're 17, 18, all right, now it's time to go to college and be recruited for college. Okay, and that's not a straightforward process. It's not where these colleges are saying, Oh, I'm gonna go to these showcases and evaluate players. No, it's actually more direct, and it's actually more colleges reaching out to coaches, and, and, and it's a referral based thing
3: as well. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah,
1: it's not a straightforward process, right? All right, so after that, all right, well, now you have hundreds and hundreds of kids that train their whole year they have nowhere to play after that. Yeah, now you have these emerging adult leagues, but. To make it to the higher levels, to the MLS, you, you, you kind of go through college, right? So that's the funneling system as well. So to be, answer your question, uh, Matt, like there's so many talented Georgia kids that are, but they're talented for what purposes? Where do they go? Right. The national team selection so process is, is 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 it's um.
0: You're that's like the NBA, right? You're the one percent of the one percent. You know. The yeah, you of,
1: have to be on the ECNL or MLS next to get up to those national identification centers. You yeah. have to be on one of those teams. Mm. All right, you have to be on those teams, and when you're on those teams, those teams traditionally do not develop U.S. players.
3: Hmm.
1: They're not set up that way; they're set up to go out and compete and win. And and why I'm saying it's so broken is because there's not just one league, two or three. There are several leagues that the top teams do not even play each other often. Hmm. There's MLS, there's ECNL. There's and that goes against the state leagues. So meaning, let's say. Um, there's a club who um, who's not one of the top five clubs, and they have an outstanding team, unbelievably talented players, right? They can never go play against any of those ECNL teams on those MLS, MLS Knicks teams to prove themselves.
2: Yeah. They can't do it. Yeah.
1: Okay, so if they want to get on those states, they have to leave their local team and go try for one of those teams. Mm. And, it's, and it's not straightforward because once a coach has a team together, they rarely, they rarely want to break up the core group. Yeah. So, so you can't just say, "Oh, I'm gonna go try for another team," and think you just, just because you're a good player, you're gonna make that team, because you have to replace someone. Mm-hmm. So, if you don't make those teams, you could be a good player, but you're not gonna be on a platform for to anyone even to know you.
0: Right. You would almost have had to platform. get caught, uh, found out, like at eight years old, and have kind of rode that wave in an ECNL team from that point. Yeah. Correct. And I've heard Correct. about this before, you know, and, and I've heard there, there, you know, there's little waves. Obviously, we understand the culture out here in America, but we, there's little waves being made. I've heard of the New York Red Bulls kind of in, implementing a coaching system where those coaches actually go out and coach for these smaller clubs, but with the, the mentality of, you know, the New York Red Bulls in, in their system. Is there any kind of real recruiting that you're seeing kind of from these MLX Next programs or ECNL teams?
1: Not, not, not in Georgia. Okay. Um, yeah. So before when 99 first came, they did a really good job of of hiring scouts mm. and then sending scouts out. Um, they don't do that as much anymore. What they tend to do from my point of view is that they use their academy team to farm the market. Mm. So they have a, they pick the they, they, they have what they call an RDS program. So when you're young, like a nine years old, you go to their RDS camps. If you're doing pretty good, they bring you up to their juniors program. And then they'll, they'll t- take like 40, 50 kids of their top kids that they saw. And then that, from that they'll make their academy team, and then that academy team they'll try to go play against every other top team that they can find. And if you play good against the United, then they'll call you into a tryout.
2: Mm.
1: So it's that, that's how they farm the market.
2: Yeah. From my yeah.
1: Um, you know, so previously there were scouts to where if I'm if I see a, a, a talented player, or if I'm working with a talented player, I can call up the scout and be like, hey man, come check this guy out, and they'll come o- over and check him out. And then if they're good they'll call them out to the camps. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's going on anymore. I don't know the number. I don't know who to talk to about that. Yeah. You're in the RDS program or you're, or you, or you're not yeah. right now.
0: And, and, and you talk about that again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw a comparison. I always like drawing basketball comparisons because that's like another great sport I love watching. But like, you know, if you think about players like Dennis Rodman or Steve Francis, those guys didn't even start playing basketball until later in high school. And basketball is also a very technical sport, even back at that, that time period. So, I mean, you're thinking about kids that are completely missing the boat. Again, if they don't start in these RDS programs or jump on these high-level EC, ECNL teams at, again, like under 10 or, or earlier, so it's interesting. Mm-hmm. But, but let, let's, let's switch gears a little bit. I wanna talk about you and what you're doing and coaching. Um, you know, first of all, you know, you talked a little bit about getting into coaching. How has it been, and what are you doing, uh, both on from the individual training aspect and just uh, club level coaching uh, out here?
1: Great question. Um, so, when I first started, I started at um, UFA, and it was a good experience. It was, um, I think, they have a very well-oiled machine. Yeah, and I learned a lot from a business aspect. And is what these clubs are—they're are. very, really good at um, administrative and um, facilitation of soccer which is important because they do most of the work, hire, train referees, um, hire, train the coaches or send the coaches to make sure that they got their coaching um, certificates, Mm. Um, register players, make sure everyone has their uniforms, um, schedule fields, make sure the fields are maintained. They do everything when it comes to soccer. So I I learned a lot and I started my academy. We called it Nexus and, 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 and we did well. Like we did it differently. So what we did was we set out to have it player development centered, versus team-based center. And we're doing things like uh, mixing the player ages up, where it's still not commonly done. Mm. I know, from, like I said earlier in my personal experience, that it's very beneficial for players to play with older players. So we should do that. Um, and it got to the point where the players actually started to um, over-excel. Once that happens, then <laughs> you're, you're forced with, you're, 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 you're forced with um, having to now – help them get exposure mm. because we couldn't get into the MLS national East in other times. We couldn't do it. Right. Um, and at the time they had a DA program, right? We didn't qualify. So players would tend to leave. And my dad always took me to the best, te- be- best team in the state. So I have found it hard to try to convince them not to go. Why well, I already know. Hey man, I know the system and you need to be in those leagues. And yeah. I find it hard to, it, it was, it was hard to fight against it. Man, I'm gonna so you, get, it was just trying back. to keep players. Yeah. yeah in order to go to a program you got to keep players. you got to keep your top players too because once they leave the team starts to dwindle
0: mm.
1: um but it was where it, it, it's where um when they do go they don't come back to develop because of, of recruitment violations
2: mm. okay
1: those players were getting worse yeah right right They was getting worse and two years later i see them and they're like what's going on right because hmm. it, was, it was it's just a system they're on a team that's Game after game after game after game after game, and it's not player development center hmm. where our program was. So what I did was um, I started up a program called W9 Soccer that's club neutral. So now now the, the top players that was in my academy, that you go somewhere else, ah, you, I, we can still train you. There's no recruitment violations. We can still work with you. We can still train you. Hmm. Okay, so that's what um we're all the high level players that came from my academy. we also to anywhere now. They'll come and I'll train them and I'll work with them on top of their team because they still need a platform. Um, they still need that platform. It's important. It's it's like two sides of a coin. You have development, you have exposure. You need a platform to be able to play on. Um, so that's that's that that's been kind of a struggle, really, just dealing with on like the way the system's set up. Yeah. Because even with this this neutral training program, the club team still demands so much of players' time. It's actually ridiculous. Um, and it's unnecessary, it's unneeded. Players do not need to be on the field training with their team four times a week and playing games. And and and, and it's different if that if those training sessions were structured towards what those players need as individuals, which they're not. They're structured to help develop and build the team, cohesive unit, which will help the team develop, but players are going underdeveloped because they're spending so much time with their team and learning the team concepts, but not spending enough time on their own. Wow. And when I was growing up, we train two times a week and, the, you know, coaches would complain about that because they were like, oh, two times a week is not enough for it to, to have a good, um, um. I didn't train two times a week. I trained <laughs> with my team two times a week. I trained with my trainer, uh, I trained with my technical trainer and then I did, um, I had a physical um, a, a, a physical um, 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 trainer. Yeah. And then I trained on my own. I was training every day. Wow. I just trained with my team two times a week. So now players do not have enough time on their own to even train. So that, that that's another hurdle, right? Yeah. Where, um, and then, but so I figured out one solution. All right, boom club neutral. Now the next endeavor right now is now dealing with the um, the demographical issues we have with soccer. Mm. So I'm um, um, my program. It's catering towards the players that was in my academy, and then it started to grow. But I started to realize that most of the players that, I'm, that that's entering the program they're coming from, um, they're more suburban. They're more, um, Affluent. affluential. Yeah. Yeah. So I find most of my, my train I'm working with, you know, these, you know, right now. Yeah. yeah um, I'm not training. These guys are in a surf camp. Mm.
0: They're,
1: they're traveling the world. They, yeah. They, these guys,
0: they've got other opportunities. They got piano. Yeah. I look
1: around, And this is my client, my clients where yeah. it's great. And I want, and I want to provide for everyone, but I'm not providing for everyone. Yeah. So right now that's um, um, we're, we're we're currently raising funds, and, and we have scholarship programs, and then we we work with players that are that necessarily cannot get that exposure as well. Mm. Um, and that, so that's kind of where we're at with with it, and and inside of the program. And then, um, like I said, I haven't I haven't stopped fighting. I'm still I'm still doing it, man. Yeah. From that disappointment, when I was a little kid. Um, I want to see um, U.S. soccer grow, and and ultimately, um, I'm still I, I'm still a rebel against the system. Yeah. Right. I, I know it. I know systems need it, but there's a lot of um, pieces and a lot of elements not there. And then hopefully I can be a voice to that. Um, I'm at a point now where I'm comfortable with my business that I feel confident um, talking and not getting blackballed like I did when I was um, 14 years old. Wow,
0: that's a big. I mean, not even in itself. Even as a coach, as a player for sure, but even as a coach as well. Being having that confidence, having that that level of security to to not, you know, to to be doing your own thing because your own thing might be better than what's the norm, the system. You know, that's amazing. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. And if you're if you're coaching a top team, um if you're if you're a coach and you're working for a program, you know, you you need job security. You might not be able to speak out. Yeah. By having my own programming that's allowing me to be able to speak out. Yeah. Um, I had to do that though create a platform get the business right it's not easy none of the stuff's easy it's time consuming it, it it costs you have to you have to invest in it um as well as um as the cause is not necessarily um catering towards the the affluent, the affluential.
0: yeah yeah
1: right. so it is a process there
0: that's true man
1: i it's just it, it,
0: it's, it's just crazy, you know, every, every podcast I do is just an investigation into this because, you know, everybody wants to throw these simple answers out. Oh, it's pay to play. Once we get rid of pay to play, then we'll be good. Or, oh, it's, you know, we're not developing the players, but like clearly it's, it's the very small details that create a culture around this and and create growth and development. And and obviously we're we're seeing it. It's because of people like you. It's because of these programs that are being implemented that are just thinking about this in a different way, but I guess it'll just take time, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, time and I mean doing like Matt, I think what you're doing is super important. Um I think hopefully next steps is you can you can bridge some of the gaps between these programs. Yeah. Um ultimately it it, it is where um where it, it's going to take um, a, a, a movement yeah and implication of different coaches and and different programs coming together to um put put the american player first um, i think that's that that's what, what what would need to happen um and everything's everyone's saying is right yeah it's all that stuff put together yeah that's that that all needs to it's part of the system that's why they say system it's not one thing you can't
2: Put a
0: finger on it. Yeah, you got to change everything, and and hopefully, you know, leading towards the uh, the the World Cup in twenty twenty six. At least, it just increases the fandom, which increases the exposure and and the attention paid, and and then more attention will be paid on great programs like yours and others around this country because it's it's necessary. You know, it's just necessary to see it. Yo, Warren Oka, I appreciate you coming on here. Yeah, where awesome. can people find you if they want to learn more? About- um, so,
1: yeah, w9soccer.com, w9soccer.com. Yes. And if you want to know more about um, me, myself, um, I'm taking all of my notes and I'm publishing. That's what I'm doing for the next year. I'm focusing on taking all of my written information and and putting it out to the world. And um, w9soccer.com, you can get all the updates.
0: W9, top baller, top coach, top striker. If you want the, like, nuts and bolts, Hey, get this book you can find it on uh, amazon coordination training warren oka i appreciate you coming on i definitely are gonna bring you on I, I need to keep checking in on 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 what you're doing and in, in the state of of uh my hometown atlanta uh soccer down there so hey man I, this is the first of many and and i, and I loved it i appreciate it
1: thank hey. you Matt. thank you for having me on Absolutely. all right i'm um, I love to be here and I'm supporting 100%. Hey, we we got more stuff to do. We're only
0: at the beginning. We got a a large surface to scratch. Hey, if you're listening uh, online, I appreciate you. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you're on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, we're we're available everywhere. And uh, we will see you next week. It's the EPB podcast. Warren, thank you again. We will see you later.